What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Welcome back to another week of Her with Amina Brown and y'all. The living room, the couch is just in a very exciting time because so many wonderful people are getting to come in and do a few conversations. So I am so excited to welcome Faith Brooks into the Her living room. Faith, I feel like what I did almost just then is I almost like said a thousand titles that I think of when I think of you. Maybe I should still say them and then you could come back and tell the people, um, no, that's not true. No, Amina's making that up. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say writer, podcaster, entrepreneur, consultant, uh, anti-racism. What would you say? Would you say anti-racism educator, anti-racism writer? How would you, how would you like title that part of your work? I usually say educator, typically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said it right. Anti-racism educator. Okay. Can cook. <laughs> can burn. Okay. Can put together a fit. I just learned how to say a fit just now because Faith showed me how. 
So <laughs> mm-hmm. keeps you on You're trend. You're doing good though. Uh-huh. You're doing good. Mm-hmm. Faith Brooks here in the building. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. I, you were one of the first people I thought of. So y'all, I wanted to have a series of conversations about internet friends because I realized there are quite a few people in my life that I started out having been friends with them from social media. And then we became friends in real life. And I think you and I have an interesting story to tell because I think we met in real life first, but then we went all these years where we didn't actually see each other in person. So we cultivated our friendship actually online, on social media and just the way you navigate your platform on social media, Faith, and how social media has played a role in your writing and in your career, how your career has progressed. I just thought you would be so perfect to come on and talk about this. So let us first begin, Faith, with how did you and I meet? Yeah. Because now you've been in my life so long. (laughs) I feel like time flies by, right? Like I'm thinking about that too. That was probably seven years ago. Wow. Um, if if I'm doing the math correct, I'm not even good at math. So thank God I married a mathematician. Basically. Okay. Okay. Um, he loves math and I've given up on doing major, um, you know, any kind of major math. I don't do it anymore, but we met in 2015 at a women's event. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember distinctly because I was walking into like the stairwell and you were like coming back out. Cause I think you had just done like a a spoken word or something Mm -hmm. and I commented on it, but we had like a really quick black girl moment and we had been kind of like vibing a little bit throughout the event. Every time we kind of saw each other, and by the end of the event, we exchanged numbers, which was something you never did. That's true, though. But we but you we exchanged numbers and you were like, you know, this is not my burner phone, you know, so <laughs> like, don't be passing out my number. <laughs> not fake telling my secrets. <laughs> Shane told a lot, though. So some of y'all that think y'all got my phone number, some of y'all got that burner. But you like didn't. That, you though. didn't. I didn't give you the burner, though. I didn't. You right. You didn't. But here's the thing. See, if somebody gives you their contact information like that, you can't abuse it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You can't just be like hitting people up all the time. So we had exchanged numbers, but we weren't like texting all the time. So that so what really happened is we got to know each other through social media. And that's really where we started to chat. So more of like that Instagram platform is where we began to connect. Yo, I remember this now that you are bringing this up because I think I had gone through a phase where I was meeting different people and I would just give them my number right away. And then I quickly realized that that's a big old regret, especially with the type of work many of us were doing at the time. You're constantly doing event work. You're constantly like traveling in different cities. Sometimes even if you, I mean, I don't do this anymore, but I used to travel alone sometimes too. So they would send somebody to come pick you up. That person has to have your cell number. Child, people would come to Atlanta and be like, I'm out here going to the Braves game. What you up to? I'm like, who is this? Oh, it's so-and-so. I was driving you around Mm -mm. (laughs) in whatever city. And I was like, "Mm -mm." and a couple of my friends are like, 
you need to use your burner phone and stop giving all those people your number. But every now and then I would like get a vibe about someone, which is totally the vibe I got about you. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try it and see you didn't abuse it though. I mean, that's the thing. That's the key. Some people, you know, they talk about like networking and things like that. And they take advantage of people, really. Like they take advantage of having people's contact information, messaging them. Like that's why people have boundaries. And that's why people have burner phones. You know okay. what I'm saying? Because you don't have time to be dealing with that mess. Okay. So Faith, can you talk me back through your social media history? It's so wild sometimes to me to say words like social media history, because when I think of history, I think of things that happened decades and decades ago, centuries ago, Mm -hmm. things like this. But it is important to know a person's social media history, because I do think that plays a role in how we decide to navigate our relationships online as well, right? So what was the first social media platform that you were ever on? The first platform I was ever on was Zanga. Come on, Zanga. Come on and take us back today, <laughs> babe. Okay, tell the people, what did Zanga do in comparison to what people know social media to be like now? Zanga was kind of like a blog, you know, um, it, essentially. You had your profile. You got to write what you wanted. You could put pictures. Um, you could follow other writers. And so, you know, we would follow each other. And it was just kind of like your first kind of dabble into this like blogging world, except you had like your site, your picture, you know, you had things that kind of signified this is your Zanga profile. You could build it out. You could change the colors. You could change all kind of stuff about it. I used to spend hours on my Zanga profile because I wanted it to be popping. You know okay. what I'm saying? Okay. I wanted my Zanga to pop. I want you to read, my, read what I got to say. I want you to look at how good it looks like. All that stuff matters. So this is like in the beginning too, because you had to use coding as well. So I didn't really know that it was coding back then because I was just kind of doing whatever. But, you know, you had to learn the codes to change your colors and stuff. It wasn't fancy the way it is now how you do it. Like we had to input the codes for what we wanted. And, you know, you build your space out. So that was the first thing. Then I went to MySpace. That was a hit for a minute. You had your top eight. You Come know, on, that top was eight. Whole Come thing. on. You know, friends fighting for spots. Boy. Scrapping. Getting the messages like, why I'm not in the top eight. And I'm like, I don't want, now I got to find the code for a top 16 because there was like a little cheat code you could use. Yes. Okay. So Zanga, MySpace, from MySpace, then Facebook hit the map and it was for university students at the time, which was dope. It felt better. It felt exclusive. Uh, you know, your mom wasn't going to be on it. And then a few years into it, they opened it up to everybody and we were like, it's ruined. Um, So, yeah. So that was that. And then Instagram. Okay. So Instagram popped off. That was like better. So as young people switched over to Instagram and said, let our parents have Facebook, let our grandparents have it. And then um, went over to Instagram somewhere during this Instagram and Facebook time. I joined Twitter. I'm going to be honest with you. I am on Twitter now still. However, I have never been one of those people to garner like thousands of followers on Twitter, have a lot to say there. Like I just don't, it's just not my main medium. It really isn't. And while I think it's nice, um, it's anxiety inducing for me to be on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. Like I could be having like a decent day and you get on Twitter, the world's on fire. We're all about to die Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, everything sucks. So that's just not the platform 
for me to like highly engage in. So I'm there. I joined there a while back. I mostly just read what people are saying um, when I do decide to get on there. And then I went um, over to TikTok in 2020. Nice. And start tickety talking it with, with them kids. So, you know, they probably mad I'm over there too. Just like I was mad when the grown people joined Facebook. I know they're like, what? what are you doing over here? Millennial get out. <laughs> but you know, I'm here. Some of them are welcoming me with open arms. So I'm, I'm thankful. I'm glad they let me in their, their, their sanctuary of space. So, you know, I'm just trying to learn what the kids are learning. Yeah. Cause TikTok does seem like a place where whatever the, I feel like in every season of life, there's always like somebody that's the generation, right? And so I feel like yeah. the generation that is the generation right now is probably that like Gen Z and maybe the generation that may be a little younger than them now. Yeah. And TikTok is like the place, like it seems like they're not really on these other platforms because apparently um, we would be their aunties now or something. Yeah, so exactly. they were trying to be away from us, but appreciating some of us that come over there that you know, are also using that platform as well. So I I always love that about you, that you're able to like know what's trending and get in there and like learn the language. I feel like I am not an early adopter in that regard. By the time I probably figure out TikTok, it's going to be some other like wham blam that other, <laughs> the the kids going to be over there. Like nobody's TikToking. It's like holograms on wham blam. And I'm going to be like, oh, I just learned how to do this dance. Y'all ain't over here no right. more. That's They're going to be, be on Web3. So <laughs> please, <laughs> because y'all, I don't Where know. I don't know what she's talking be... about. OK, I don't know what Web3 oh, is. Oh, Web3. Well. Yeah, that's know. the next iteration of the Internet. Like that's where we're going. We're going to Web3. So, wow, Faith. Um, so yeah. what is Web3 doing? We're going to open up our hands and we can like see a see a hologram. That's what I always think. You, you know, I find I feel like it's something similar to that. I'm not going to misspeak here because I don't have like a deep, deep understanding of it. But, you know, NFTs, ah. um, that's, that's like diving into Web3. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. So you, kind of like where um, if I'm do if I'm saying this right, which I'm probably not, so you know, y'all don't come for me. Okay. I'm not an expert, Please. but essentially, it's trying to have um, an iteration of the web where creators have more ownership of what mm. they create. So that's a part of what Web three is going to involve. So NFTs are kind of like a part of that. So that's why they're kind of taking off. So you. It's it's creating more of this like digital space where, you know, people are actually purchasing this digital content rather than, you know, the platforms having ownership over what you create. Wow. That and there's more that there, there's like a bunch more businessy side of the things that I have zero idea about. Um, but essentially, it's just another iteration of where the Internet is going to. I'm still learning. I'm watching videos about it, but. That's just where it's headed. Y'all, mm, I feel, see, that's this also why you need internet friends so that you can get like a little bit of education because mm-mm, I didn't know what Faith was talking about till, till just now and still probably have like a 2% understanding, but I mean, I'm still early in my understanding. We're just trying to do our best over here, you mm-hmm, know? That's it. That's, mm, yes, Faith, we love to see it. So when we talk about internet friends, I think in my mind, when I say internet friends, I think, I think I could mean two different things, right? I feel like there are internet friends that are not my friends in real life, but that I do connect with them in the online space. And then I would consider internet friends to be friends that I either met 
on the internet or the internet was our main connector for a long time before we became the kind of people that would go to each other's houses or would go see each other. If we don't live in the same city, we'd visit each other when we, you know, were in like the same place or something. Right. So I want to know what's your criteria for an internet friend. And if we are going to say there are two kinds to overgeneralize, how do you know, even if they're not your friend in real life, like how do you know if that person is your internet friend versus just someone you follow or versus just mm-hmm. being someone who follows you? Yeah. So let's start with the internet friends where we're just like purely, our friendship stays on the internet. Um, and it really doesn't go beyond that into our personal lives. I would say with those people, it's typically we are... Uh, chatting about something that's just kind of like that brings us together. So for me, there's some black women that um, I talk to that we just kind of like vibe about, you know, black women stuff. And we like to talk about that and laugh at different videos or somebody might send me something. And, you know, we just kind of end up connecting in that way. And it usually happens like slowly and organically over time. And I mean, like a significant time, like a year, two years of you know, kind of conversing a little bit here and there back and forth. We share a common interest. You know, we kind of have something that kind of propels us into more communication. Um, Or it's even like we have similar um, fields, lines of work as writers. And they might want to ask me a question about, you know, how how did you do this? Or how did um, you begin your writing career? And so we kind of talk about, talk shop about stuff like that. It's pretty, you know, common, right? And then there's people that like, I don't know if we'll be friends outside of the internet, but I'm willing to meet them and find out, right? So there was this one girl, um, I saw what she did. She kind of lived around this area. I just moved to the DMV. So we decided to meet up. We talked shop, we laughed. She was dope. I was like, oh yeah, we could totally be friends outside of um, the internet. She was great. And so I will oftentimes, I haven't done that as often as I used to, obviously, um, you know, we're still within a pandemic, um, but I used to do that all the time with people. I would talk to them, we'd meet up. And then from there, I would either be able to determine if we're just going to like chit chat online or if we have enough commonality beyond that one thing we, we connected on to actually like connect in real life outside of, you know, um, one shared interest. And that's kind of usually how I know. Like if I can vibe with you about like multiple live things and not just one thing, and then I feel like I can show up as my full self and I don't have to like put on a facade for you, um, then that's a key. Also, when people are kind of like have really high expectations of me, like Mm. this is the internet version I see of you. And like, I'm expecting you to be that internet person in person. Then I know it's probably not going to work because I'm human. Right. And like how we engage online is different than how you engage in real life and in person. And it doesn't mean that you're not being genuine to who you are. It's just the fact, like when I'm talking online, I'm talking to my phone in into my phone and it goes out to the people But in real life, we're talking social cues, you know, we're talking about nuance, complexity, body language, like all those things factor together to let you know if you're really going to be able to vibe with a person or not. So I take all of those interactions into consideration. Okay, without being a mess, can I just ask when you when you have the meetup with someone that you knew online and then you have the in in real life meeting? What are the vibes that make you go, oh, no, it's not for us. It's not for us to be friends in real life. It's just it's just the Internet for us. Like, are there are there certain 
vibes or is it just based on that individual person? Like in your intuition, you're just like, I know and and I'm good. It's no shade, but I'm good. Mm. It's like, I feel like it's some of both. But to be honest with you, when I meet somebody and we're vibing, it's like conversation feels effortless. It's almost like we don't run out of things to talk about. And also, I don't feel like I have to be the driver of the conversation. That's a good point. I am an extrovert, right? But I don't want to feel like I'm interviewing you and I don't want to feel like you're interviewing me. So if we can just like have fluid conversation and the conversation can flow, to me, that's one big telltale sign that, okay, we're going to like flow after this and get along after this. But if I feel like I'm having to interview, if the conversation is kind of dry, if we're having these really awkward, silent moments, um, if they're asking me questions that feel a little bit like invasive, a little Mm -hmm. bit like, okay, you've seen and experienced me online, but you're asking me like, things that feel a little bit soon about my personal life or relationship, then that gives me pause because I don't know you yet to that extent. So why do you need to know? And why are you asking me these questions? And so that's where, you know, I I have caution and pause because you can't just open up, you know, about your life to just anyone. And if in our first interaction, you're trying to be like, okay, so tell me, tell me this, tell me that, tell me, you know, what's your, you know, darkest secret or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, that's weird, bro. I don't even know you. So um, I don't like that. I do not like that. And I'm going to say something and people are probably going to side eye me. But one line I absolutely dislike. It doesn't mean I dislike the person who says it. I dislike this line. So tell me your story. Oh, no. Oh. I hate to hear that. Mm. I hate I to hear that. I just don't like it. Nope. I don't like it. Mm-mm. I feel like everybody has a long and complex life that has led them up to the point that they're at. And it feels like too much work for me to try to rack my brain on how to give you a condensed version of who I am and how I became the person that I have become this far. Um, I would rather organic, genuine questions um, that are appropriate for this setting and where we are in our conversation for me to answer, you know, and then we can interact and vibe from there. Like, I feel like to me, there's like stages of questions. There's a basic one. Mm -hmm. Where are you from? The work you do, you know, people might ask about your relationship status, which is kind of hairy, but whatever, all that stuff. And then you know, you kind of move into other elements of conversation. Let's say if we meet the second time, we're going to talk about some different stuff. But like to come out of the gate and expect that, it feels like too much. Mm -mm, I'd be tired. I'd be tired. As soon as you said, what's your story? I was like, oh no, please. Is there a button I can unsubscribe? No, I don't want, (laughs) Mm -mm, I'm going to talk about that. Nope. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. 
LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. When you were talking about sort of that difference between how people perceive you online versus the person that you are, that you are not you are not viewing that as like, I'm two different people. Here's faith on the internet and here's faith in real life. For you, that's all one person. But there are times because of the way social media exists that people, there is sort of a persona that they see of you a way they perceive you that may make it difficult for them to actually receive the person that you are in your real life when you're not trying to take this particular picture of yourself or when you're not trying to respond to this particular subject matter. And I really identify with that having had a career that was somewhat public in a sense of like, I feel like what you described of sort of the internet version of you, I feel like a lot of us as performing artists feel that way in a certain, to a certain extent that people sort of have this like, oh, I saw you sing that. I saw you do that, that poem, that, you know, dance, whatever art it is you do. And then there's this sort of perception now that you're not just Amina. Like if Faith and I are hanging out, audience, I was about to say dear reader, but dear listeners, if Faith and I (laughs) are hanging out, like I can be in my sweatpants talking to Faith. Yeah. I can have my face fully made up or no makeup at all. And it just doesn't matter because I know that she is going to receive me for who I am, how I am. There's not any particular way she's expecting me to perform in a sense. And so it is, it has been interesting for me as an artist trying to, I think, really trying to navigate those boundaries before social media. And then social media Mm -hmm. added a layer of that 
that people saw you live. Like, I'm sure you experienced this part too, having done events and having been speaking and things like this, right? Now people have this like, oh, I saw you do that live or I heard you speak live. And now because of that, I followed you on the internet. So now I'm just adding layers to my perception of who I think you are, what I think you do or don't need, (laughs) what I think you do or don't have, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. Like I would get a lot of assumptions from people that, that I was lonely, that I didn't have community. Like I would Mm -hmm. go to events and people would be like, if you ever need anybody to talk to, I'm just here. And I would be like, but what you here for? Like, you know, I got people. Like, I got <laughs> right. good people. Like, if I, like, just because I'm at this event and I like to be myself on stage. So I like to share things with you, but I'm not I'm not sharing it all with you. <laughs> right. Number one. Let's start there. Um, and number two, like I have people I cry and snot with them. Like if things is going on, I have people I can pick up the phone and like we had just met. So that would not be you. Let's just try to, let's back it up. (laughs) Start a little, you know, give ourselves, Mm -hmm. like you said, more basic questions, a favorite color, a favorite carbohydrate one likes to eat. Let's start right there. We don't have to jump in. If you ever need someone to talk to, I already have those people, you know, let's me and you figure this out where we're going to be. But I think that adds these interesting elements when your work involves sort of having something of a public platform as well as building community on social media, right? So having been on social media as long as you have and having experienced various Asundry platforms and at various parts of your career as your career has Mm -hmm. grown and blossomed, right? What boundaries have you found that you've had to draw around social media for could be just your own health, could be as you develop relationships there? Like what are some of those boundaries that you felt have been helpful for you? Yeah. So one boundary that I developed was that I would not share about my dating relationships anymore um, until I was engaged. And um, and if I did share, I wasn't going to share a picture of, of the person I was wow. um, in a relationship with. So I have like, you know, there was this one guy I dated forever ago. We broke up. I posted a picture of him um, and I didn't even have a lot of followers at the time. But for years, people said, oh, are you still with that guy? Oof. And I was like, ew. Um, okay. Okay. No. You know, like I moved on. I deleted all his pictures. Don't y'all know the context clues? He gone. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but from that experience, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep that part of my life private. Um, and then as my social media grew over time, which it really kind of exploded in 2020, I was like, okay, I'm still even, even more committed to my, you know, decision to not post that person. So my husband now, when we started dating, which was the end of 2020, I straight up told him, I'm not posting you. Like I, you know, a part of my career is being on social media. I'm not trying to hide you. I just want privacy. And I never regret that. 
I wanted to have something to myself. And I told him that this is one thing I do not want to share with everyone. Yeah. And so personal moments like that, I I keep them to my to myself until I'm ready to share them. But did I keep my word when I was engaged and show his face? Yeah. Like we about to get married. Okay. So um, <laughs> you know, I, I did show him then. Um but, you know, before then it was just kind of like, I'm dating somebody and I'm happy. Like, you know, I'm wishing love and light and bliss for all of my sisters. You know, that's kind of like where my head was at. So when it comes to like what I want to post and how I post, that's evolved over the years. You know, I spent the last two years heavily focusing on anti-racism content and educating white people. And then I got tired of it. Ooh, and I girl. was like, you know what? Join me on Patreon. Okay. So if you <laughs> want to get some more of that content, <laughs> hit me up over there. Okay. Because getting harassed on the internet for saying bold things when it comes to addressing race and racism is exhausting. And um, it's all, honestly, it's just not fun. And so I just had to make a decision for myself. Like, what do I want to focus on? And the truth was I wanted to focus on like cultivating black women and cultivating and exploring black joy. And I wanted, you know, like, why do we as black women not see each other happy and in love and enjoying our lives and being loved? And so all of that kind of coincided with what was going on in my personal life, um, dating an amazing man and getting engaged and quickly eloping and starting our lives together. And so all of those things kind of caused me to lean into my softness more mm. and and wanting to talk about that because I, you know, we're married now, but I'm still learning how to be like soft with my husband. I'm still learning how to accept this incredible, unconditional love. Yeah. And it is, it's been a beautiful experience, you know, and worth waiting for. But I know so many Black women who feel like, that's not in the cards for them. And honestly, I felt like it wasn't in the cards for me either. I feel like an anomaly, a fluke, uh, you know, like, I don't know how I made it through, but hey, I'm, I'm glad I made it. But those are things that I want to write about. So I try to stay genuine to where I'm at in life and what flows out of me freely. And if anti-racism isn't flowing out of me freely, it's not going to be on my page freely. <laughs> That's just the Period. truth. Like, I can only speak to what I feel flows out of me, like, openly. Oh, I love what you said about how you valued your privacy for some areas of life. And that is so real and so wise. And I do think there, I mean, I guess always on social media, but I feel like when I was first getting into that sort of Instagram, Twitter era, I do feel like there was sort of this idea that, well, here is the place you say it here first. You know, if it's raw, if it's whatever it is, you just put it up here first, you know, that way it's, you know, for some people and for some people, that's true for some people to give that sort of rawness to their platforms is a part of their healing journey for some yeah. people. Um, I am not a person that heals that way. Um, I have to heal with like my close knit people. If I am bringing my rawness into a public space without my close mm -hmm. people knowing about it, for me, that would be like a not good sign. People who are close yeah. to me would be like, oh, okay, let me get in Amina's DMs. Like everything's not okay. So I know everybody exactly. approaches that differently, but I loved that you were able to make that choice for yourself because there's so many things that when you have 
any element of a public platform. There's so many things that just end up out there kind of feeling like in a way, well, now that belongs to everyone or now that belongs in this particular space. Like my husband and I have been married. It'll be 11 years this year. I don't think I've ever shared publicly all the complete details of how he proposed to me, but I did it on Mm. purpose because there's a part of that that I only tell to people in person not on a recording, if I was just talking to my friends and we just out somewhere, I would tell them all the details. But there are certain parts of that that if I'm on a podcast recording or whatever, like I leave it out. Our wedding video, I don't think I've ever even posted any clips of that online yet. I'm not sure the format it's in that we even (laughs) know how to get it (laughs) online, you know? But some of those details, I do treasure having those to myself and having the choice at some point. If I decide I do want to share that, then I can. But having the choice that it's mine and how much of it I want to share or not is up to me. It's not something I have to feel pressured to put out there or not. So I loved the way you shared that. Yeah, because I also feel like, you know, when you do have a platform, you're inviting people into your life. And if you have people that are invested and feel close to you and close to your work and like they know you, then I also feel like you're putting people in an odd position when you're kind of like, you know, opening yourself up to them in a way about what's going on in your life. And then let's say things are awry and they can tell and they're like, what's going on? And then you're like, well, I don't have to tell you. But like you've opened up the door for people to have those wanderings. And so I try to the best of my ability, not open up doors that I know I want to close. Like, so let me not open up doors of my personal life that I would prefer for you not to be in, right? Um, So I'm open about sharing how I met my husband and like our love story. And I, I love sharing with people our love story and how we, you know, everything happened with a matchmaker for us. But I don't go into you know, like nitty gritty details about like my relationship with him. I don't go into, you know, a bunch of our daily life kind of stuff. I show him in video, um, but I usually ask him for permission and we talk through those things because he's not big in social media. And so he has his own boundaries. So we're not doing like a bunch of video content together all the time. And like, there's just things that I respect about his life, his story and what he would also prefer. So I'm not opening up doors for conversation that I just don't want to have to close for people. Um, And maybe one day I'll make a mistake and open up a door and have to close it. But I just feel like for a while, but shouldn't have said it. Sorry, we're going to, you know, backtrack. And I can't talk about that anymore, you know? Um, But I do think that, it's only fair in some senses to kind of create that boundary so you don't have to deal with the backlash of your overshare. Yeah. Um, because that can be hard. Like, oh, I, I overshared to, you know, 30,000 plus people. And now I have to try to take it back. Um, so I try to really monitor that because mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, overshare. And people talk. Come on. Do. People talk. So whatever you say, people are going to try to put together context clues and then throw everything together. And and so it's just really important if you know an area of like your life, you want to be private and sacred. Just keep it that way. Yeah. Like make make that your choice. That's a proactive thing that you can do in your relationship to social media and the Internet. I love that. I want to know, Faith, do you have any other fun Internet friend stories when you think about your time on 
on the web, on social media. I love that you brought up Zanga and MySpace because those of us that are, you know, a bit OG in the process, right? It's like there are so many different iterations of what content you were putting there and how you might connect with people based on the content that you put there, right? So do you have any other fun stories you can tell us of times that the internet brought you a connection to someone? Yeah. So the funny thing is, is that with every platform, um, I think of it distinctly different because to me, the people on each platform that I engage with are different um, as in the types of people. And so um, I was working this job and um, at the time we really engaged on Facebook and Facebook groups and we were touring around and we were going to make a tour stop. And so because of that, I said to this group, Hey, I'm going to be in town. If you'd like to meet up, let me know. I'd love to connect with you. And one person responded and said, yeah, I'll be at the event. Um, you know, I'll come to your booth and, you know, we can talk. So this girl shows up, true to her word, comes to the booth. And I was kind of busy. So she ends up helping me. Um, it really kind of started off with like me on the inside of the booth, her on the outside. So we were just chatting, but she kept having to move over when people showed interest in what I was talking about. Um, and then eventually, you know, after like an hour, she was like behind the booth, right? With me. So then we just started, you know, we just started talking back and forth while she's behind the booth. And then it went from her being behind the booth to, Hey, let's go sit together. You can come sit with me, forget your seats, you know? So we sat together and then the night ended and I had to pack up and she was like, Hey, I'm still hanging out and I'm around like, um, let's, you know, I, I can help you pack up. And, um, I found out that night that everybody else on the tour was flying right back home. And I was the only one that had a later flight. And wow. so I was going to, um, be stuck that night by myself. And then everybody, um, you know, was going to be gone. So she said, well, pack up your stuff. I'm actually going over to my aunt and uncle's house tonight. If you want to come over for dinner and you can hang out with us there. And I said, why not? So I pack up all the stuff from my booth at the tour. I give it to everybody. And then they're all looking at me like, of course, you're going out with a stranger because I always met a friend in every city we went to. I told a friend I was going to be there. So I always had friends coming to different cities. So they were like, of course, you're going to go out with a stranger. This is not surprising to us and have dinner with their family. And I was like, yeah, I mean, what could happen? Right. I mean, (laughs) she seemed nice enough. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so I end up going with her, went to her aunt and uncle's house and she down for this event. So she's also just visiting her aunt and uncle. She doesn't even live in this city. Um, so I end up going to hanging out with her aunt and uncle. I was staying at an Airbnb, I believe. Maybe it was a hotel. I can't remember. Um, we had a long dinner, laughed. They, they thought we had been friends forever. Like, no, we just met today. And um, the next morning she woke up at the crack of dawn, picked me up and took me to the airport. And we are so friends to this day. Oh my gosh. How fun. What a fun story. Oh my gosh, (laughs) Faith. I love that story. I mean, I think it's, it, it's interesting to me, Faith, because, and I'm I'm also going to have my sister on as one of my guests for this internet friend story, because my sister and I are almost 11 years apart. So when my sister got on Twitter, she would meet her Twitter friends in person all the time. And when she first started doing that, my mom and I were freaked out, like stranger yeah. danger. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know how yeah. like there was a time where people sort of felt like, oh, I don't want to share that I met this person I'm dating online because people had all that like, oh no, you met online. Like there was some sort of 
shame. Yeah, they would want to say they met through a friend. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like sort of at that era of time, there was this different idea of like how much in danger you could be. And then it does seem like over time, um, online dating still has dangers. And we'll talk about that on another episode. Yes, it does. But regarding meeting friends that you've met, on the internet, it seems like for a lot of people, and I feel this way for a lot of my millennial friends as well, feel like there was there was just a period of time where that stopped feeling like this dangerous thing. Like it felt like, hey, that's that's a thing I can try. You know, do you remember in your early times of meeting friends online were your parents or I know you have an older brother Were they ever like, where are you going and who are you going to be with? What is going on? Like, were they ever like that? Oh, yeah, of course they were. I think the reason why I had less um, kind of like I was more just like go with the flow with it, less inhibition was just because I was a social worker. That's what I um, got my bachelor's and master's degree in. And I was doing case management right out of college. So this whole fear of going to meet strangers and see strangers had to you had to be like rid of it really quick. Because you were going to strangers' houses all the time. Like every new home you got was a stranger. And so you had to go to their house. So because of that, I was not nervous about meeting new people that I didn't know because I was so used to meeting strangers. Now, I will say that (laughs) there's a part of me, though, that needed to have more caution because I got into some sticky situations when it came to online dating, because sometimes I just didn't have that, like that same stranger danger. Right. And so, um, I think it's one of those things where you always have to tell people where you are. I did that even when I'm just meeting like a a girlfriend or, you know, a girl that I've, you know, kind of been able to connect with. I always, somebody always knows where I'm at or has my location. And I'm always communicating about who I'm with what their name is, et cetera. So practicing like some of those things are really important habits to have. I travel so much. My family just has my location Um, and I tell them where I'm going because it's really important for somebody to have like that knowledge. But I will say like, for me, I usually just have to like, you know, rely on my discernment. And sometimes I hit it and sometimes I'd be missing it. Like, you know what I'm saying? And we're human. And so it's one of those things where you have to be really wise about these internet friends you're meeting with. And I kind of feel like you can kind of feel the vibes from people. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of feel the vibes from people online. So if they're kind of sketch and you're kind of having a question, like they're nice, but just don't even meet them. Like don't even consider it. Just let it, let it go. Um, Because some people they're just not worth meeting. Some things are organic and it's great, but there's some people who just don't have good intentions towards you. They can seem like they do and they don't. And, um, or people have obsessive and compulsive like personalities. Like those are all things to kind of like look for as you're exploring having internet friends. But would I still meet a stranger to this day that I don't know? Absolutely. I would still. Yeah. Like, especially now you can kind of have some guideposts. I mean, I know the pandemic kind of like, messed up some of that because now, you know, you're like, I want to meet you, but also what's the COVID protocols? And, you know, you got a lot of <laughs> other conversations. You, to... you know, I'm asking a lot of some different questions. <laughs> Come into play than we had um, <laughs> pre-pandemic, you know, but I feel like sometimes I would try to also, um, and I'm sure you did this too, like it would give me more comfort if we had mutual connections. Yes. Like I knew yes. other people that either maybe knew that person in real life, even though I didn't. And I was just meeting them on the internet. Or sometimes I 
I I have had some people I met in person that we just had a lot of the same online connections. Like a lot of the people that I followed that I knew online followed them. And so that gave me like, I got to watch them like interact with people that I knew. And that gave me some sense of like, I could go to like a public place (laughs) yeah, and have coffee with you. You can't come to my house and I'm not going to your house, but I can go to a public place and like where there's coffee, ice cream, food to eat, you know, security. Right. I could go there and like check the vibes, you know? Exactly. Mutual friends is a big key. I've met a lot of people that we had mutual friends and that always feels way like it just feels much safer and it feels less um, daunting, you know, when that's the case. So I would definitely say um, mutual friends feels really easy. So I'm always open to that. Yeah. Oh, Faith, you gave us so many tips and things to think about. I just want to ask this last question. And then I want you to tell the people about this good tea that you have. You have some things coming out. So I want you to tell the people about these things. Because sometimes when when it's the tea, you know, it's not really good tea. (laughs) Okay, listen, let's be honest. But (laughs) it might be good to me to hear it, but it may not be good for the person whose tea it is. But this time it is. This time this tea that Faith has to share is going to be good tea. Are there any other tips you can think of, Faith, that you would give for people? I know a lot of people talk about how it is more challenging in this day and age to make new friends, Um, even with social media sort of being this big connector of a lot of us. It can still be hard to do that in our adult lives when we're out of school. Many of us are working virtually now, working remotely. It can be really challenging to make those new connections. What tips would you give to people that are like, I want to make some new friends. Maybe the internet might be my best place to do that. Like what tips would you give people on the best way to sort of begin building some genuine relationships using social media? Yeah. So, I mean, I think what I would do is if you do have those people you're having organic conversations with in DMs, y'all are laughing, you're cackling, you're, you're like, okay, this is cool. We could probably like, you know, hang out. If you live nearby, definitely like, you know, say, hey, let's like meet up somewhere. Um, that's always a great thing. One thing I do too, when I move to a new city, sometimes I'll say, hey, I'm in the area. Does anybody else live near here? And I just kind of see who pops up and I'm, you know, we talk maybe a little bit and I can see if, okay, yeah, this is a person I'd want to engage with or not. Um, The other thing that I would also say is really just being open to unconventional ways of meeting people. Yes, the internet is great, but like there's also like meetup. Um, You know, so if you're in the DMV area, I just want to let y'all know a secret. I ain't never told nobody, but I got a DMV meetup group. It's called it's called Zen Black Girls. So Mm. if you're in the DMV, you know, you want to do some things with other black women, hit me up. Um, I just did it because I just knew that I needed an outlet um, to socialize with more people. And, you know, it's hard. And so I didn't feel like cultivating a whole bunch of conversations in my DMs. And so I decided to start a meetup. And that's a great place to start. So check out your city's meetup. I've gone to a few meetups over the years and yeah, I have not regretted it. So if you're not um, like a, you know, you're more introverted or it's nerve wracking to you to talk to people in DMs, then you should definitely look up meetup.com and download the app and you can find meetups that um, fit your interest in your area. I think that's a really great way to start. Ooh, that's a great tip. I always forget about meetup. That's a good, that's a good strong connector right there, y'all. Like it has so many- it is options and things. Yes. Oh, that's so great, Faith. And so many great tips too. Tell the people this 
good tea that you have brewed for us today, Faith has a couple of things that are on the way out. They're on the way out where you can get access to these things. So tell us what is happening, Faith. How can the people, they want to connect more with some of this new work that you're working on? Tell us the vibes. So here's what's going on, y'all. Life happened. A lot of good things happened. And so I'm writing some books. So the first book, is called the Anti-Racism Journal. It's Questions and Practices to Move You Beyond Performative Allyship. That comes out June 7th. So you can pre-order it now. Wherever books are sold, all you have to do is look up the Anti-Racism Journal, Faith Brooks. My name is spelled with two Ts. It is not a typo. So you can just put that in there. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Um, the other book, man, y'all, I have poured my heart and soul into this book. And Amina has heard many messages of angst. And wow, how many times do I have to write and rewrite um, <laughs> for this book? But it is called Remember Me Now, mm. A Journey Back to Myself and a Love Letter to Black Women. And um, that book comes out January of 2023, which I'm super excited about. And um, honestly, like, it's for Black women. Now, you know, the lighter, brighter, you know, white folks, y'all can read it and you <laughs> should. The lighter, brighter is really But silly. this is, this is, <laughs> this is for Black women. And I want any and everyone to pick it up because oftentimes we pick up books that are not meant for us and we can read from them and, and glean things from them. And so I think there's a lot of things that women in color will glean from and see, you know, similarities in. But I wanted to write something to my sisters mm. because I remember being in bookstores, wishing there were more books written by women that looked like me that I could resonate with. And I found myself having to read book by, you know, white women that I just couldn't fully relate to. But I read them because that's what was available and around Um in mass, let's say it that way. It was available and around in mass. And so, you know, when you have to search long, far and hard for, you know, books by people of color, by Black people, people that look like you that you can relate to in life, that's a problem. And so I wanted to be a part of the solution. And so I wrote a book and I wrote it with my sisters in mind. And I cannot, I, I cannot wait. I can't, I can wait in some senses because it's nerve wracking. But I cannot wait for everybody to get it in their hands and to see how people receive it and how they enjoy the book. Oh, y'all, y'all better go to your favorite bookseller and go ahead and pre-order because you know what's good about a pre-order is two things. One, pre-orders help authors, okay? So when you pre-order the book, it helps the author. And number two, you know what? It helps you because now you don't pre-ordered it. You don't have to worry about remembering what day was it when Facebook was going to come out because it's going to show up right there at your door. Even if you pre-order the ebook, it's going to show up right there in your e-reader as soon as it's out. Sometimes, gasp, the people who pre-order, sometimes they get it a little bit early sometimes. Sometimes Uh y'all get a little early dip. Sometimes it shows up before the actual release day. I'm trying to put y'all on this game, okay? So you need to go to there and faith the people are like, I would like to go to a place where I can find more information about Faith Brooks. Where should the people go? You can go to faithbrooks.com. I'm going to keep it easy for you. All of my links to my social media are there. Um, my handles on social media is Faith B. My, just my name spelled out, Faith with two Ts, the letter B. You're going to find me everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, 
Facebook, all the places and every link you could want is on my website. So, you know, I got you. It'd be there, people. Make sure you do that. Oh my gosh, Faith, I'm so excited. I'm so glad that we um, are in real life and internet friends because it has made my life so much better being your friend. And I'm gonna tell y'all something that y'all might not know about Faith. Faith be meeting with you in a coffee place somewhere. She be on a trip with you somewhere and she be telling you, in a few years, I'm gonna blah, 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 blah. And in a few years, she do it. Because she said a few years ago to some of us um, on a trip at an undisclosed location, but the other women listening know they was out on a trip too. And she said to us in the back of this van, like, it's a book for me. Like, it's a book for me. Like, it's some books for me that are inside of me. Like, I know that's happening. So to see that coming to fruition now, Faith, it just makes me like so damn proud to be your friend in real life. And on the internet, folks, both places. Okay. <laughs> Faith, thank you so, so much for joining me here in the living room. Y'all, be good friends, whether it's on the internet or in real life. Get you some good friends because they're wonderful. Thanks so much. Her with Amina Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.